Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. Wow, Alice, it has been like a minute since we did this intro. I I forgot that I was supposed to say my name first. (laughs) I know, it has been a minute, and I'd like to thank the listeners for sticking around and uh, waiting for us to get back. Uh, It's been a, 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 a hectic month for us, I think. Yeah, um, I had big final projects at work, and you had lots of travel and, um, and various Moving. and sundry other things. Um, yeah, I moved house, and I went to Peru, and uh, it's been it's been quite a quite a time. But those happy places is back, and we've got a very special, very timely episode for you guys. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's wonderful that we get to come back together and record this. It's a Monday as we record this. And last night, Sunday, was the end of an era um, in in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, last night, Sunday night, uh, May 19th, was the final episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, Final episode ever. Borp. Uh, (laughs) You know, Game of Thrones is a big TV show, and it's an, an incredibly culturally relevant TV show. Um, not to mention, it comes from its own literature. Um, these these five books that we have right now, and presumably two two more on their way. Um, and I was thinking, you know, let's get back together. Let's let's record an episode of the podcast and let's talk about something that we said kind of offhandedly once about the Game of Thrones uh, television series, which was that it may be unadaptable to a theme park. Right. So many uh, great IPs have been adapted into entire theme parks or simply uh, lands within already existing theme parks like uh, Harry Potter or the soon to be released uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But we did mention in a previous episode that we thought that the Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire would be an IP that would be virtually impossible to turn into a family friendly theme park. And we wanted to challenge ourselves this week, uh, since now the show is over and we have uh, the entire story uh, laid out in front of us. Uh, Do we think that is still true? And if we were forced to make a Game of Thrones theme park, what would we do about it? Um, We should probably state here at the beginning that um, while we're not going to try to spoil the entire show, uh, it is possible that spoilers will uh, will slip out when we talk about certain plot points. Um, mostly we'll try to avoid spoiling like this very last episode that just happened since it came out yesterday. Um, but uh, but but yes, be warned if if uh, spoilers and if you haven't seen the show at all and you intend to, maybe this uh, might not be the episode to to listen to all the way. Right. I I mean, we're not going to be this is not a Game of Thrones recap show. Um, If you want that, there there are podcasts of that that exist. Um, However, we are here to talk about Game of Thrones as it relates to uh, the idea of becoming a theme park. And I think we should probably start with what's so challenging about Game of Thrones as a setting, because it is a great setting like the world of ice and fire, the uh, the setting Westeros and its adjacent continents, um, 
they're great. They're like really great immersive settings that I could see wanting to visit, um, especially if it were a, a specifically constructed theme park environment. Like it sounds really cool. So why wouldn't we want to do this? Right, because it, I think maybe the biggest, most obvious reason we wouldn't want to do this is that uh, Game of Thrones is not a family-friendly IP at all. Um, the, I mean, aside from all of the uh, violence and uh, sexual violence that occurs in the show, um, the 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 universe is not it's fantasy but it's not fantasy in a um like super accessible way it's a hard life that these characters live in and they're they're not well they're these big grand castles and and settings none of them are necessarily um necessarily places you would want to uh to to live in (laughs) no i don't i don't um often find myself daydreaming about a world where I live in the world of ice and fire. Um, It's a very dangerous place. There are uh, castles with giant holes in the floor that people fall through. And there are (laughs) massive design flaw, not OSHA compliant at all. (laughs) And, um, and that's just, that's, you know, that's only just one of the, of the many places and many (laughs) dangers of, of the show. Um, It only gets worse from there. So uh, that, that I think is the most obvious reason why uh, the world of ice and fire is not a, a a real theme park yet. Yeah. Um, It's a, it's a harsh environment full of bad people. I think that's like another big part of it is that game of Thrones kind of has this stock and trade of, there are no real heroes. Uh, nobody is 100% good. In fact, in this world, being 100% good is a huge disadvantage. Um, and it, it often gets you killed if you try to <laughs> adhere to a strict code. Um, so, you know, to even walk around in, um, say, a recreation of King's Landing, you'd have... Um, you'd have bad guys there. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to wait in line for a meet and greet with Braun of the Blackwater. Like, he's a mean guy, though, <laughs> right? He's mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Um, he's, he's funny and an entertaining and interesting character to watch on screen, but he's not... Um, he, most of these characters, I, I'd, I'd go so far as to, to, to say all of the characters in the show, you would not want to uh, to have in a meet and greet setting. No, probably not. I mean, maybe Samuel Tarley. Um, he's a very nice boy. Yeah, he's a, he's a sweet lad. Um, I, I really can't think of anybody else who would be like, you're a good Brienne of Tarth. Okay, I would hang out with Brienne of Tarth. Um, yeah, for like... A minute. Well, yeah, uh, but, but it would be really awkward. She's not much for conversation, right? But like, <laughs> these are not. I mean, I'm. We're. I guess we're thinking of of it in the sense of if we were to turn Game of Thrones into like a Disney theme park, where you have meet and greet and characters like walking around uh, in character, and um, and and you could not do that with this. But even if you were to try and turn this into a, um, into like not a Disney theme park, if this were um. You didn't. You didn't want to have your character walk arounds, and you're really just borrowing the setting and general like aesthetic of the show. Do you think that this is still a, a totally um, unmakeable scenario? It might be possible if if you're not 
concerned with immersion um and you're not concerned with like giving the audience that shows up to this theme park a representation of the world of ice and fire as it appears in canon um i mean you'd, you'd be okay you could probably do a few things i guess what i worry about is like even if you wanted to design some thrill rides around the song of ice and fire like i've got one in my pocket and it's a dragon themed roller coaster and that's it and it's <laughs> this is neither a new idea nor one that really even fits the dragons the way they're used in the show right uh, the dragons in the show are a symbol of you know like raw power they kind of have analogous things to like nuclear weapons in some cases so like flying around for fun on a dragon is like not a thing it's like not in it's not even thematically close to what's happening in the show right and really only just the one two characters can do it it's not a universal experience um and and even that so let's let's say you've got a um a theme park that is kind of generically themed in the direction of a song of ice and fire and you've got a dragon themed coaster what is setting that theme park aside from any other theme park that might just be vaguely medieval related or medieval fantasy related like what could you do and do a theme park that sets it aside and makes it distinctly game of thrones ah man you know geez see that's why this is so tough right because every step you take towards being more and more distinctly on on the brand of game of thrones is another step towards alienating audiences, another step towards um, simulating terrible things. And that's not what I'm interested in as as a hypothetical designer of theme parks. Like, honestly, that's not a good business decision either. So, like, if HBO came up to you and was like, you know, money is no object, uh, and we've, we've purchased this plot of land and, and just go nuts... I, I would be at a loss. I would maybe build the setting. I would build probably King's Landing is the is the thing I would build. Or if the if the area that we're gonna build in is in a place where it snows, I would build Winterfell. Um, and then maybe one or two rides, and then like a show, like a show that that had the characters in it. <laughs> And like kind of like Waterworld stunt show, except um, Ice and Fire World stunt show, and I would have some night stool. Maybe that would be pretty cool. I guess I want to. Well, I want to go back to the uh, Waterworld style uh, stunt show because uh, the I think this is so far our, our most winning idea. Your most winning idea um, because uh, a lot of these a lot of stunt shows in places like a Universal. Um, I mean, Waterworld is... You do have people die in Waterworld. You have guns and violence and and kind of, like, intense... Um, like, in, intense themes in a in a stunt show. In a, in a place where you have to agree to enter and sit down and watch the show, they can kind of, like, up the intensity a little bit. Sure. So you could do a Song of Ice and Fire stunt show. Have knights, you know, doing their their combat. Or you could frame it, if you were in King's Landing, it could be a joust. It could be a, um, you know, like a, a, 
uh, what is it? Uh, trial by combat. It could be, it could be something like that. Definitely trial by combat. I think is is way more iconic of the series. I, when you said joust, I I can't believe how far back into the show I had to walk, <laughs> I had to think for a joust. Right? I think like, it was like season one episode, season one episode three. Like Jeez, <laughs> that was the last tournament we saw on the show, and it was great. And I feel like you could do it. And see, that's another problem with the world of ice and fire is that. The story that we see on the screen is the story of this world's stability unraveling. Um, And I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that, like, the inciting incidents of this show uh, culminating in the end of the first season is kind of like, oops, now everybody's at war and the (laughs) the balance of power has drastically shifted. Um, And so anything you wanted to do in the world would be like a prequel i guess because by the end of everything um several major houses don't really exist anymore um (laughs) several places don't really exist anymore so you'd be in a prequel of ice and fire and that's actually kind of the characters at their least interesting too um and that's really interesting as well that you'd be kind of stuck with this challenge of putting together a world in stasis because the popularity of the show is partially based on the interruption of stasis at every turn. I as want soon as something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I I want to counter that with what we know about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as taking place in a in a in a place in stasis in in a Batu mid uh, rebellion or mid resistance. Uh, with stormtroopers walking around and uh, the First Order is like a looming threat. As of December 2019, when the final Skywalker, when the Rise of Skywalker comes out, we are, we are going to have an end to that story. Does Galaxy's Edge then st- suffer from being in stasis um, huh. at that point? I mean, maybe. Um, maybe a little. I feel like there's something to be said for how exciting galaxy's edge is going to be as a uh an in-between piece of canon material that you just so happen be to be able to live in uh instead of watch or read Mm -hmm. um and it's going to be kind of weird to roll out to the theater in december and watch presumably i i hope i mean this this makes sense watch the bad guys lose um, I mean, it works for Star Wars. It yeah. works for Star Wars. Uh, watch the bad guys lose. And then, you know, eventually when when I manage to visit Batu, you're going to be visiting pretty soon. Um, I am. But when I manage to visit Batu, the First Order is going to be a looming threat. And I'll probably see a version of Kylo Ren that doesn't really exist anymore um, and things like that. And that's going to be, I mean, not bad, but it's going to be not as cool as it could be, I think. There's something to be said for the timelessness of certain things in series. Um, and that brings me back to kind of kind of the wizarding world of Harry Potter too. Uh, because that world seems to be happening around book four, but also book seven at the same <laughs> time. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of wacky too that we just kind of accept that. There are things about the wizarding world that seem more stable than anything else in, say, Ice and Fire, where everything is being destroyed or people are constantly dying, at least in the Wizarding World, like, 
I, I can be confident that there will always be Weasleys. Um, <laughs> like, J.K. Rowling isn't going to be like, and then all of the Weasleys were systematically destroyed by a, a, an opposing house. Like, that's not going to be a thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there are more constants. There are more constants in Star Wars, too. There's always going to be light and dark. There's always going to be that, that struggle for balance. Um, whereas in the world of ice and fire, it's, it's who knows. Um, and that's part of what makes it so fun as a narrative, but it's also part of what makes it difficult to choose a point to adapt. Um, and I mean, I could be wrong. Do you think we would be stuck in a prequel or do you think you'd even want to do a sequel? I mean, I would think that it, you know, gun to my head, I have to right now, uh, adapt Game of Thrones into a theme park, I think I would maybe want to take a, a slice out of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and just pick a, pick a spot. Just pick a spot and, and commit to it. Um, say um, end, of, end of book one, beginning of book two, like right at the, the tippy top of the War of the Five Kings. Um, and you still... You, there's still at that point maybe a lot of like hope in the series and there's still uh, most of the characters are still alive and there's a lot of potential I think there for um, if you if you just if you center it there and you and you tell your audience hey this is where we are in the story I think audiences are more willing to accept that than than not um, I, I I think I think we maybe aren't giving them enough credit where you could say, like Waterworld, for example, we've seen it a million times, back to Waterworld. Okay. Um, it takes place at a very specific point of time that we already know and we know how it's going to end. And if you've seen the movie or you know the movie exists, you know what's going, what's going to happen and what's going to end. But audiences are still there watching it and enjoying it, right? Yeah, I, I feel like part of why Waterworld gets away with that is because nobody saw that movie. <laughs> and everybody who did, uh, I think, mysteriously had their memory of the movie uh, erased. I actually wow, that's don't, weird. I don't think Waterworld is a movie. Uh, <laughs> but it is a live stunt show at Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, in a in a theme park, you want you want room to to grow and, and adapt and change. But if you say to your audience, if you say to your people walking in, this is what's happening. Now have fun, like live in it for a minute. I think they're people are, are willing to do that. You're going to play along. You're going to put your hands up when Rocket Raccoon wants to scan your fingers. You're going <laughs> to, you know, like we've talked about this in several episodes about immersion and about, you know, about playing along and interacting with your surroundings. And I think, um, I, I and I think other issues aside, if you say to your Game of Thrones land, um, you know, attending audiences, hey, this is where we are in history and here's a, who's alive and who's not, they'll go, okay, and just yeah. roll with it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that season. Um, <laughs> and I, I agree. So I, I want to take an idea that you kind of just gave me with your description of how we how we take audiences into the world. So um, let's, let's say, and unless you want to disagree with me, let's say that the way that we design our Game of Thrones theme park is that it's a city from Game of Thrones. Okay. Would you prefer Winterfell or King's Landing? Um, I'm gonna say King's Landing. Okay. So, I'm so gonna we're gonna say King's Landing. Uh, it's a little more uh, visually dynamic, and yeah. um, 
I like the idea of like the red keep up on a hill, kind of like Hogwarts in the Wizarding World of oh, Harry Potter. Cool. Like, and it kind of looms, like looms large yeah. over everything. Yeah, just a little too far away, and, and you get that forced perspective. Like, I, I like that idea. Right. Okay, so I think I think there should be kind of a like as you walk through the city gates, sort of an onboarding process for visiting this theme park. Okay. Um, and and what I'd really like is if audiences could kind of pick a house to align with and maybe they had like four or five really good uh options like they could pick stark or lannister or i'd like to say five i'd like to throw out five and again go back to my setting piece of maybe the the very beginning of the war of the five kings yeah maybe instead of houses you're picking a king Oh, that would be really good. Okay, okay, okay. This is good. Okay, five kings. I mean, no pick. one's gonna pick Joffrey, but <laughs> uh, I'm here. I'm here for Team Renly, uh, the, <laughs> the smallest and oft-forgotten team. Um, um, I'm I'm gonna counter that with Balon Greyjoy as the most forgotten team. <laughs> who? Uh, exactly. So, so you can pick uh, House Stark, House Greyjoy, House Baratheon, or other Baratheon. Or other Baratheon. Hold oh. on, that's too many Baratheons. <laughs> that's too many. You can't have... Well, you would have the, the crowned stag of Stannis. Uh-huh. And then you'd have the... No, Stannis has the... It doesn't the matter. Flaming you, can, heart. you can do Team mm. Stannis or Team Renly, okay? Or Team Joffrey. <laughs> or Team Joffrey, which nobody picks. But, you know, if you if you frame it as Team Cersei, you might be okay. I would, I'd probably go ahead and be on Team Cersei. A lot of people like to be on the bad guys team. So, like, the great thing is there are four bad guy teams in this. Um, (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) We can debate on the morals of all of them. On our new episode, (laughs) on our new podcast, (laughs) The Five Kings and their... And their various moral quandaries. Uh, We're going to have to work. Working title. Working title. Um, Okay, so... You you walk in and it's it's kind of like medieval times where you get like a, a team hat. Um, Ooh, but okay. I'm thinking it's it might be like a pin or like something something cool. It's like part of your admission. And they're like, and uh, which king will you be supporting today? And you're like, um, I'm with Euron Greyjoy. Oh, not Euron, Balon. Balon Greyjoy. I'm with Balon Greyjoy. Uh, and they're like, okay, here's your squid pin. Uh, oh, it should be maybe a flag. Oh, like you get to carry a little a little banner. Yeah. Uh, that's cool, that but that, that sounds like I'd get tired of it. Like, I want something oh. I can wear, but I don't want it to be, like, a lame jersey. You know what I'm thinking? Like, that just kind of goes over your head. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, like, a, pin, a cool. pin is good. A pin is good. Yeah, so... A button. Yeah, a button or a pin. Um, and they, they give you that, and they're like, so here's a little bit of the story of the World of Ice and Fire uh, as you walk into town today. And then they tell you a little bit of the story about the War of the Five Kings and all of this. And then by wearing this pin, you could have interactions with city guards or uh, maybe there's small contingents of each house's knights or something where, like, if you're wearing a Greyjoy pin, like, Lannisters are going to avoid you and, like, look look meanly at... They're going to mean mug you <laughs> as you walk past and stuff like that. Um... And that would be really cool. And then maybe maybe there could be some kind of like points tally or something like that, where like a, a certain king wins the battle that day. Um, I don't based know. This, on this audience starting, interactions. 
It's starting to feel too much like LARPing. It is LARPing. I want it's this to LARP. It's just LARPing. <laughs> this is a You're LARP You're just now. LARPing. Okay, so so I'm going to walk it back away from LARPing and back towards um, and and back towards uh, theme parks. Okay, casual because theme park. Because you, you did... I, I liked the idea of walking in and, and getting a little bit of a, a backstory, but here's where I think that belongs. That belongs at the beginning of a ride. Oh. This, like... You are in line and then somebody in, maybe in, in lieu of a TV screen to give you the safety demonstration or whatever. Like you're not you're not walking around with TV screens and messing with your immersion, but you are seeing people. You have somebody there who is telling you the story. Here's where we are in history. Um uh, oh, oh uh, our honorable King Joffrey uh, has invited you all here to uh, witness his, you know, great uh, tournament. Um, and if you or if any of uh, anyone you see around here is uh, is a supporter of the of the, you know, the usurper Rob Stark, um, then, you know, th- th- then those are the bad guys. Look out. But, you, you know, out. you know. But you, you know, know they're the good guys. Oh my gosh, it's T2. It's, it's T2. just T2. It's just T2. It's just T2. Watch and then out you for go... that, that squirrely John Connor and his mom, Sarah, because, oh, they're mm, fugitives, bad people. Exactly. So that that's your beginning of your of your stunt show. Okay. And then while you're sitting there and you think you're about to watch, or, you know, it's the something goes wrong idea. You're, you're sitting there, oh, we're about to watch this very cool Joffrey tournament. Um, by the Honorable King Joffrey and, and Queen Regent Cersei, Cersei um, uh, all of a sudden Rob Stark, you know, stages an attack on the yeah, on he, the tournament. He repels down from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, and, and his mom Catelyn also repels down from the ceiling. <laughs> and they're like, "Don't listen to these Lannisters. We're going back in time. We're here, and we're here to uh, to." you know, free the people of King's Landing from his horrible <laughs> tyrannical rule and and then you watch, you know, and then and then the Starks win. You know, it, it's it's not in canon even a little bit. But um <laughs> but it's just T2, the show, but Game of Thrones he, style. Rob, Rob <laughs> takes the portal back in time to rescue Ned at the last second. Um and then and then Ned's like, I'm back. <laughs> I knew I'd be back. Um and then yeah, this is good. I'm here for this. I mean, I mean, you can play with that idea, you know, or it, something, something like that. That's how you get people into a into a stunt show, and maybe that's why Game of Thrones the land, uh, Game of Thrones the theme park doesn't exist, but it maybe could possibly exist as a section of. A theme park as a land inside an already existing theme park. Yeah, I, um, I, I wonder because I get so stuck in in LARPing every time I think about Game of Thrones, the theme park, because <laughs> that's that's so much of what the appeal of the property is, right? Like picking a side, rooting for your team, rooting for certain characters, wanting them to make the right choices, seeing how they make mistakes and stuff like that. And kind of wanting to live in that, I, th- I feel like is a big part of the appeal. Um, right. So if you just want it to be like a cool attraction and like it's adjacent like themed area, I feel like that's actually way more reasonable because there's so much onboarding and so much lore that you'd need to do to do a full blown theme park. Um, And of course, the attractions 
there just aren't that many great ideas for it. And I think the stunt show is really where it's at. Um, because like what thrill ride fits the world of ice and fire? Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I was trying to think of a way a simulator ride could, could do it. Um, uh, here's one. Um, Maester Kyburn's crazy catapults. <laughs> and, then, and then he loads you into like a, a scorpion. I said crazy catapults because it was alliterative, but it's obviously a sure. scorpion. Well, the scorpion's just a really big ballista, but right. sure, go ahead. So he, he like loads you into a scorpion. And he's like, this is a, I'm a crazy person. I raise people from the dead. Um, and I also sometimes dabble in weapon design and I built this and it's actually a transit system. So anyways, buckle up. Um, and then he, he fires you on a, on an arrow bolt. That would be pretty cool. Oh, the arrow bolt is then like the, the launch, um, the launch sequence of a roller coaster. Yeah. And then it, it, you know, kind of flies around a little bit and you seeing it maybe it's I'm like a swinging coaster doing a couple of corkscrews maybe That'd i don't really know cool. and then it and then it comes in for a landing and he's like oh um i'm remember that i'm a terrible person oh needs uh, a couple more tweaks anyways i'm a bad guy see you later <laughs> <laughs> i'm a bad guy and i'm basically dr frankenstein don't worry about it <laughs> uh, I, I, that's the other thing about thrones is that like who's who's going to be the subject of your attraction it has to be like clearly good guys versus clearly bad guys and and your best bet for that is early lannisters like joffrey versus early stark starks like rob having having a fight and yeah but we but we know <laughs> but again we know how the how those end yeah. we know how that goes and it doesn't go great for anyone <laughs> yeah nobody nobody makes it out of that um and yet, the the story carries on, um, and that was something that was that was interesting to me. Um, I was kind of reading up about the last season, uh, and there was this great Scientific American article that talked about how uh, part of the appeal of Thrones is not necessarily that there's like clear protagonists and antagonists, but that there's a really interesting society that's being examined. And there's a lot of tough choices that are being made by these characters working inside of this society. And that's part of what makes it so fascinating as a viewer or a reader, but not something that would translate well to a ride. Like, let's go on a fun joy ride with our friends, the Ironborn, on their boat. <laughs> Like, oh it, man! It just, like, I, oh, I would, I would ride I, that ride. Listen, I know you would, but like oh, your friends, the, the Ironborn, Ironborn, are a strictly raiding-based economy. Like they only raid places to eat I, and build boats. I know, but I love them. I, it just doesn't make for a good ride. I mean, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, but now you're burning down the whole town while you sack the village, like. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's super violent, and then at the end they're like, "Also, we worship um like a, a a drowned guy, and also we drown once in a while for fun. That's it's part of our religion. Anyways, bye." <laughs> oh, it's weird. You did if you were trying to make that seem not appealing at all, you failed. But you know what? Okay, <laughs> hang on. Great choice of the Caribbean is <laughs> yes, Wayne. <laughs> it's actually really possible, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, that's what I want. That's Wait, exactly. Give me that. 
<laughs> Give me exactly that. Give me a theme park that's just a, a cool, like, uh, Hogwarts-like red keep off on a hill. Mm-hmm. And the only rides are Great Joys of the Caribbean and the War of the Five Kings Wild West stunt show. <laughs> 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 it has to be called the Wild West Wild West Roast Sun Show. Wild West Roast Wild Sun West Show. Roast. I'm so sorry I missed that. Thank you for correcting. Oh my god. <laughs> Wild West Roast Sun Show. <laughs> oh my god. And and for some reason the narrator is a, an old prospector and he's like, "Boy, buddy, we got a lot of stunts for you today." <laughs> uh, you might be able to make a, a an attraction out of wildfire. Maybe there's something there. Uh, uh, like, oh, watch super, out! Watch out for super, that crazy wildfire. <laughs> it's so dangerous. But okay, no, I'm a, seeing. Maybe it's a tower drop ride into the Sept of Baylor as it's being exploded. Or you? Oh, no, it's a it's a launch ride. You are in the Sept of Baylor, and it's a it's the reverse of the tower drop. It's what was Malaboomer? What was that called? Yeah, it was like a Where tower launch. You're down at the bottom, and then uh, Septa Baylor starts to blow up around you, and then you are launched into the air. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> I'd, I'd ride that, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't be happy about riding it, but that could work. And then it's all green light, and maybe like a little bit of that like heat effect. Yeah, I mean, that would be and really scary. It'd be uh, proper scary, and then you you know go really high in the air, and then. Maybe you pop out the roof of the sept and then like there's like a projection screen because this is like a dark ride also so that you can do all the fire effects, right? Okay. Well, yeah, it starts as a dark ride like down at the bottom, right? Right. But it's also like the whole tower is in the whole tower is enclosed. So you can do all the fun fire effects on the way up and then you kind of Tower of Terror style pop out the top and there's like a projection on the on the on like a bowl below you of the tower crumbling and then you drop down and then and then it just like goes black and they're like wow you made it good job wow you escaped the exploding tower of baylor or sept of baylor that i mean it almost works i i I don't hate it yeah Yeah. that's good (laughs) (laughs) um you could always do uh soren over soren over essos that would be pretty Ooh, good. Soren over Essos would be cool. Bring um, bring Essos and bring bring um see, but here's the problem is that Essos is like ninety percent Slaver's Bay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, uh, fun. that's not a great place to put audiences. It's not good, right? It's not good. Unless it also involves watching Daenerys set it on fire. But right. That's really brutal and scary. So it's so not fun. Maybe maybe so uh Soren over Bravos and it could just be like really Ooh. foggy. Uh I like the idea of like a Soren over Bravos and you like go through the Titans legs and everything into the city and maybe into the House of Black and White. But well, then there you go. Well, There's an Assassin's what? Guild and it's an Assassin's Guild and everyone's dead. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Ah, oh. oh, geez, this is tough. This is really hard. <laughs> um, how about uh, how about like a white ra- water rapids ride? Um, but it's it's black water. Oh it's my black god, water black water rapids. Oh, see, this is perfect. Okay, yeah. And then there's an animatronic Tyrion, and he's like, "Raise the chain," and then and then you get blown up with the uh, wild. Uh, no, fire. well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. Mm. Um, no, I like maybe a a. a uh, river River Run Rapids. Ooh, River Run. And uh huh. And, and you, the Blackfish is there, and he's like, "I get forget forgotten by the show, uh, even <laughs> though I'm your favorite." And then he, um, that's it. That's all that happens. That's it. That's... He gets 
he's your he's your weird old timey prospector yeah. guide, um, and he sends you on down down the river. Um, well, there's that. Okay, what's that? What's that battle where Robert Baratheon uh, puts his warhammer through uh, through Rhaegar Targaryen? Yeah, through Rhaegar Targaryen. Um, that was at were, were they at the neck? Yeah, I think they were at the neck. So like, it could be like a whitewater <laughs> rapids ride at the neck, and then there could be animatronic. Oh, and soldiers. they're like you're like through the battle. Yeah, and, and then at the like, end, okay. like right before the big drop, it's like Robert and Rhaegar, and they're fighting, and Robert puts and his like, warhammer right, through his head. Right <laughs> before Robert like brings the hammer down on Rhaegar, that's where you do that's the where drop. You drop, and then you don't have to watch the violent um, end, and the, yeah, and you get a fun drop, and maybe you get wet. And then, like at the end, they give you some rubies because the oh, rubies... look at look at all the rubies that fell in the water. You don't need to ask where those came from. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I'd ride that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'd ride that. That could be good. It's all just it's very it's a very difficult task you've put before us, buddy. I know, uh, and that that was the point, though. Like I, sometimes I think we kind of take for granted that um, that that there are even. Uh, intellectual properties in theme parks and that some intellectual properties work well at theme parks um, when when there are so many that really wouldn't uh, and so many that exist and don't even uh, but are still there and I, I think sometimes we got to consider like what does the tone and what does the the setting give us to work with if we were gonna do this as a theme park anyways I mean, we've got a lot of new theme park expansions on the way. Galaxy's Edge is only one of many. There's a new Nintendo Land on its way. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's going to be like. I mean, so much about Nintendo is about play. It's about interactivity. So much about theme parks is about a track and uh, predestined, preordained, uh, ordered thrills. Um, I'm hoping that the Nintendo theme park... Uh, steals our your um, portal roller coaster idea, but with uh, the um, pipes from Super Mario Brothers. Oh my golly, that would be amazing! Yeah, I just that's what I want more uh, than anything. I, I know we're getting a Mario Kart ride, and it looks oh, that sounds cool. fun. But you know, yeah. it's just like like those things are like fun for the whole family. But you couldn't make a Game of Thrones theme park and make it fun for the whole family. You could. I do don't even. I don't even think you'd make a Game of Thrones theme park, even if it wasn't fun for the whole family. Like, I just don't see any of those things working. Yeah. Like, long term. Be a fun, like, pop-up. Yeah, but, like, you can't do... I mean, you can do a pop-up theme park. It's called a carnival. But you can't do it with any quality. Um, And a lot of what we're talking about sounds outrageously expensive. Um, (laughs) You could do... You could do a Game of Thrones Renaissance Festival. Like, if... Game of Thrones, if HBO was like, hey, Renaissance Festival companies, like, license out the Game of Thrones property, they'd jump all over that, and it would probably do quite well, actually. Um, But that's just because a Renaissance Festival is already halfway there. Right. Um, You're already having a tournament. There's already a king and a queen walking around. Like, all you gotta do is change the names. Throw some uh, house sigils on some cloaks and call it a day, right? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, a, a Renaissance Festival or an SCA event is already doing half of the work. It's just without a lot of the, you know, everything Game of Thrones. Right. The um, immersivity of it all, <laughs> the um, 
to bring back an old word. Um, and the characters and the pseudo violence and all of that you can get out of at a fair or at an SCA event where you can kind of pick and choose which uh, pieces that you see or take your kids to. Um, I think a theme park or a land inside of a theme park just isn't going to give you the same thing. No, it's it's going to be a either heavily sanitized to appeal to everybody because that is something that a theme park needs to do. It needs to be available and accessible and fun for a lot of different kinds of people. Or it's going to be weirdly, oddly, like almost upsettingly true to the source material, which is almost a worse solution. Um, and on top of it all, theming a thrill ride after Game of Thrones just doesn't feel like it makes sense. So you're kind of stuck in the show realm. And if you're doing a show at a major theme park that is basically a joust, probably the places that are already doing jousts are going to do that in a way that delivers more anyways. Right. And doesn't need to uh, rest on continuity or... Um, or the expectations of an already existing IP, right? Like Medieval Times doesn't need to worry about you coming in and being like, well, actually... <laughs> actually, the is... Blue Knights family has been warring with the Yellow Knight for several thousands of years. <laughs> it was only in the Last Kingdom that, that they managed to forge a, a tenuous alliance. The, the tension could shatter at any moment. Truly, right. it is we amazing. <laughs> We don't, we don't need that. They get to create their own canon. We don't need a Game of Thrones-themed anything. Yeah, not really. Um, and personally, the last Game of Thrones thing that I'm interested in is the books. I just want to read the uh, end of the books. Just give me the last two books and we can call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm willing to move on to bigger, brighter, better things. Things that are maybe a little less bleak, Alice. Yes, agreed. Because at the at the end of the day, it was a very sad, very dark show. And I mean, it wasn't always that way. There were little moments of happiness and beauty and there were great characters and great things that I loved about it. But man, I could use a little bit more happiness every Sunday night. <laughs> well, Alice, it seems like our conversation about how Game of Thrones would and would not work as a theme park or even a themed land has come to an end. But the conversation continues on the internet. On the internet? On the internet. Is uh, that specific... like a lot of ravens flying around all at once? <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a weirwood tree connection uh, that you can just warg your way into, and suddenly have access to the all of the information uh, over the entire world. Wow! And it's a really good place to have a conversation with us about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, or anything else that you found interesting in this or any other episode that we have. Um, you know, we've got this great thing called a Discord server, which is kind of like a, um, well, it's kind of like being all on the same boat that's moving <laughs> ridiculously fast, given how fast or how far it needs to go and like appearing around corners and, and just and just not making any sense. It's very fast and, and fun. This joke didn't didn't no, work. Never mind. That's okay. Can you can you um can you put a ballista on top of it, even though it's an unsteady surface and hit a target several thousand feet away? Yeah, that, and... especially if that target's moving at, you know, several several dozens of miles an hour. I mean probably not like over a hundred, but probably close to probably that. Probably close, yeah. yeah. For sure. Weird. Yeah. Uh, 
No, this joke didn't work. I could hit it three times I, at, at one point. through through the neck. Yeah, through the neck, through the eye. I could hit that target a lot. Yeah, this joke didn't work, but I'm glad we got that off our chest. <laughs> This is really unreasonable. It's so stupid. Anyways, we got this Discord server that's better than that, um, where we Are talk you... about things like um, actual spoilers for the season of Game of Thrones and um, various and sundry other theme park ideas and episode discussions and some general muckery. So we really hope you guys find our Discord. And the best place to do that would be on our Twitter. Yeah, we're on Twitter. Collectively, the show is at... Happy Places Pod, and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alice White THP. And I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne, and we're always on Twitter, um, almost all the time. I'm constantly on Twitter. Even when I was supposed to be enjoying my vacation in Peru, I was on Twitter uh, more than I should have been. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter, join our Discord server, send us an email at... Uh, at those happy places at gmail.com if you want to get in touch yeah and uh you know alice right now our audience is probably hearing the uh blissful rev up of our theme song our theme song which is golden gate by the california feet warmers featuring phil alvin yeah it is that song by those guys featuring that guy and <laughs> you know uh i might also put some additional music in this episode and where would you have found such additional music? You know, I think I got all of my additional music from the Free Music Archive, uh, all courtesy of Kevin McLeod. Uh, Kevin McLeod is an extremely prolific internet composer, and you've probably heard his music everywhere, including on this and many other podcasts. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in, for putting up with our hiatus, and for engaging with us on all the social medias. You are the best the best audience that we could ever possibly ask for. So thank you. And Alice, thank you for waiting through my craziness and <laughs> then making time during your ongoing craziness uh, to record this episode with me. My pleasure, of course, buddy. Well, uh, should we say goodbye then? I suppose we shall. Thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. 